0: Hi, everyone. Before this week's episode, I just wanted to take a second to thank you so much for your support and for listening to this podcast. The goal of this entire podcast was to create some awareness to bring about conversations and information to a space where more of that needs to be taking place. So I thank you so much for listening and for allowing me to make that happen. If you have been enjoying the podcast, I ask that you please go over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and please like, please leave a review, please subscribe to the podcast. And over on social media, on my Instagram, let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you've been enjoying the content, if you like hearing from dancers, performers, from professionals, what you enjoy hearing. Just let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys. All right. I'm very excited to bring you guys this episode. This week, I sit down with a very dear friend of mine, Daria Afshar. So Daria and I go way back, we know each other from our days at Indiana Ballet Conservatory when we were both a little bit younger, uh, and she has since gone on to study ballet at the school, the John Krenko School at Stuttgart Ballet, um, and then actually you'll come to find in the episode, quit ballet at the age of 15, and then has since gone on and is now a senior at Indiana University studying apparel merchandising. I do want to warn you guys that we talk about some very sensitive topics like body image, eating habits, some different things that could potentially be triggering. So if at any point you are triggered, please stop listening and contact a local medical provider. And with that, let's jump right into this week's episode. Welcome in to the newest edition of The Mental Game, and a very special edition because this is the first in-person podcast I've done. Uh, I'll admit that I've been a little skeptical of doing that because Zoom is so much easier, Uh, but my friend Daria Afshar was like, you know what, we should do one in person. So Daria, thank you so much for doing this with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be doing this today, and this is my first podcast ever, so very exciting experience so we'll go easy on you yeah I hope so no I'm just
0: teasing um okay so Daria has a really unique story because well I'll let you tell I won't tell but you've you've taken so many different twists and turns uh including we actually grew up at the same home studio of course I came a little after you um but then Daria has done so many incredible things that have taken her so many places um so Daria would you please for those that don't know you as well as I do tell us a little about your background and how you got to this point
1: Yeah, so I was a dancer from the ages 3 to 15, so I danced for about 12 years in my life, and like Glenn said, we started out at the same school, and that's where I started out at the age of 3. I was at Indiana Ballet Conservatory, and I danced there for 11 years of those 12 years, and then I actually wanted to have a little bit more professional training so I went to Stuttgart Germany and I danced for a year at the John Krenko Schule not danced I guess I studied in school so I had a year of training there and that is where my ballet career ended which we'll get into all of the reasons why in this podcast but now I'm just studying at IU I'm a senior and I'm studying apparel merchandising so still doing something creative but I'm definitely happy where I'm at now
0: yeah so what age did you? Okay, so you started dancing at three. Yeah. And then I can't do the math quickly. So enough. I've been
1: I've not been dancing for six years. So, so I'm 21 now. Oh my gosh! It's already been six it's years. Been six years. I was writing Ooh. that down earlier today, and I couldn't yes. imagine that. Yeah. Well,
0: that's crazy because I literally remember that as if it were yesterday. I, I remember know. Tim being like, "Oh yeah, Daria's not dancing anymore." Yeah,
1: it's crazy. Yeah. but It also feels like. A lifetime ago too it feels yeah. like a separate lifetime whenever i watch ballet yeah so yeah
0: okay so what age so you said six okay. years ago yeah so at um Fort- six oh, wait oh sorry at 14 you went to okay 14, so that yeah. when did you go to germany 14. i guess is my question i was
1: 14 years old 14
0: yeah. and up until that point you had primarily just done ballet at indiana ballet conservatory the whole time yeah all right so so let's go ahead and start though about those early days because you grew up from the ages of three until about 14 at ibc right correct so talk to me about i know you know we know a lot of the same teachers but did you have any early inspirations or mentors um that meant a lot to you growing up
1: honestly even though they're not in the ballet community i would say my parents because they were always active growing up my parents were always moving their bodies. And that was definitely one of the biggest motivators of me yeah. doing ballet and them getting me and my brother active in something when we were younger. So I would say I owe a lot of that to them. And honestly, my brother, if yeah, my brother is also a dancer, he's four years older than me. So just having him by my side was really inspiring to at such a young age and having someone else in the family doing something very similar to you just kind of created that bond. But I would say in the ballet, like career the or at our school sergey and Tatiana, our two teachers were very big inspirations to me especially sergey he was always super motivating and always just wanted you to do your best and that i felt that growing up a lot
0: Mm -hmm. yeah speak to your family because i know your family is very artsy yeah (laughs) your mom you had just told me before we got on is in italy right now and (laughs) i feel like every time i talk to you she's traveling or doing something new and I'm seeing a new piece of artwork yeah. on her Instagram or yep. so talk to me about how growing up with that kind of arts based from your family, how that influenced what you and Tim, uh, did Tim start doing ballet before you?
1: I actually started. You started first. I started first. And okay. He copied me. <laughs> okay. That's
0: funny because he's still going. He is still That's going. That's funny. Um, so what got you guys into ballet?
1: I think just every little girl wants to do ballet when they're younger. Yeah. And I was one of the few that just decided to stick with it. And yeah, My mom is also Russian, so it's a very big part of their culture in Russia is to do ballet. So I think that was one of the biggest motivators of my grandma was also like rooting me on to do it. And then the reason my brother started Timur, he we went to watch Nutcracker that I was in and my mom thought he was going to be a pain in the audience Mm. the whole time. But he ended up being mesmerized. And then I think he saw one of our friends, Mark, in the class and he was just like, you know, what? I want to try it. He saw some boys in there and he was like, I'll give it a shot. And he fell in love with it.
0: Mm, OK, so for you, it was just kind of like, was it your parents pushed you into it because of that kind of Russian? I
1: think so. A little bit. A little yeah. bit.
0: What age? Three? Three. I mean, yeah. I start.
1: You know, you start at those little schools. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't start at IBC at three, but I think okay. I was at like a tiny school in yeah. Fisher's. For a year and but not we an went.
0: not an age to necessarily like look no. at mom and dad and be like i want to do ballet exactly. but
1: tim was seven so <laughs> okay. he knew a little bit more what it was and what was going on i guess sure yeah
0: so i guess growing up then was there was there ever you know influence from mom and dad still to continue like not necessarily to continue pressure to be professional nothing like that but influence over, like, artistically, you know, your mom's always painting, and I was just curious if that ever intertwined within what you were doing.
1: Not that I know of, but I'm pretty sure, like, subconsciously, it definitely made some sort of impact on Mm -hmm. our career, and actually, something that's kind of funny is we look back at home videos, and my dad was the one who was always telling me and my brother to dance, and if my dad is from Iran, so that's a big part of their culture, and growing up, they always blamed it on my mom. But looking back, we're like, dad, it was actually you that wanted us to dance all yes. the time. So I think just a mix of both of those cultures. And yeah. my parents did want us to succeed. So they did push me in those young years, I think a healthy amount. I mean, you want your kids to be active and have extracurriculars. So yeah, I would mm. say they did.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. The, the, t- the tables have turned. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's on dad. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Um. Okay, so family side, but speak to, you were saying Sergey and Tatiana Mm -hmm. were big inspirations, big Mm -hmm. motivate, motivators to you. Um, So speak to me a little bit about them and what they meant to you growing up.
1: That's a good question. I wasn't ready for that one. (laughs) Um, I would just say both of them believed in me a lot. And I know that you know how it feels when a teacher believes in you in ballet and you can tell when they don't. And they just really wanted me to be successful. And yeah, and I had I feel like Sergey especially, you could talk to him about anything that wasn't just ballet. You could go to him and talk to him about your life. And I do miss those points about being in the like ballet world sometimes, is having those mentors that were more than just teachers to you. And same thing with Tatiana. I was a little bit more structured with her, but I really respected her as a teacher.
0: That's, that's well put. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of why I asked the question, is because from my experience, especially with Sergey, I mean, Tatiana yeah. was fabulous yeah the most lovely human being most beautiful dancer oh yeah but i feel like sergey almost taught us more about just like how to go about life
1: exactly yeah
0: and that's why i asked like there was a time when we were he always ate dinner yes yeah like during (laughs) class yeah (laughs) and there was one time he was like holding a piece of chocolate and smelling it like with his hand like Uh and he was like we we were just kind of in awe like what are you doing and he was like no you have to enjoy it you have to you know what I mean and that's such a weird example but but to your point he they taught us more than just technical steps yeah
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that and I feel like you know there's a lot of issues in the ballet world and I feel like Sergei just really wanted to treat us as human beings rather than ballet dancers who were supposed to be Mm -hmm. like robots Mm -hmm. and that stuck with me Mm
0: -hmm. a lot and that's I'm I'm assuming something you did not get everywhere no yeah I'm sure we all kind of have yeah. those um, I don't know teachers growing up where it's like on the opposite end of the spectrum right. if you will I want to go to kind of directly to maybe some of those more negative experiences mm-hmm. if you're comfortable yes um, speak to kind of that aspect of it Sergey and Tatiana were amazing examples of you know what we would hope a teacher would would be right. for anyone wanting to nurture a young person Mm -hmm. a young mind or a young dancer in a positive way right so i know you've had experiences that were more to the opposite right go ahead and speak to some of those but particularly more from the younger age as opposed to as opposed to older
1: so i would say that some of these negative um i guess experiences started happening in the same school before i went to germany but more just as I got older and being around the ballet environment as I grew up, and just seeing how how sorry how other people in the school reacted towards like body image and, um, like looking skinny. I know that was one thing we always talked about. As I heard all these girls around me just talking like, "Oh, I look skinny today. Oh, I don't look mm-hmm. skinny," and those thoughts started to just like reflect in my mind. And I would I would kind of look in the mirror and be like, "Wait, if they think they're not." Why don't mm-hmm. I look skinny either, you know? So those were some things that I remember sticking to me at a very young age. And that was when I started to take ballet very seriously. So I was very serious about wanting to do well. And I would say um, that's really just when it started. And I started to develop some eating habits, not quite, but it just kind of became the norm and the culture in ballet to talk negatively about those things. And it, whether you think you saying it doesn't affect other people i learned that it really does hearing it from others was what really started it for me
0: mm, so like even if someone maybe they're looking at themselves in a mirror yeah and they're saying i i look fat today exactly so it it was like not even intentional exactly. they were speaking to themselves yeah. but the impact that that can have on other people
1: cuz i was like wait in my head they look skinny but yes. if they think they're fat then i'm what does that fat? make me right mm, okay. so that's when it really started and I started to not enjoy ballet as much at that when it got to that point. What
0: age are you? Sorry to cut you off. I was 13. Around 13. So a year before I
1: went, I stopped doing... I stopped going to in-person school and I did school online and I was going full-time at our school in Carmel. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you kind of brought up um, eating in particular, body image. I can't remember if you said perfectionism or if I'm making that up.
1: That was... Everything. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, it all kind of intertwines exactly, in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned that that kind of came from maybe inadvertently from someone right. saying something or the kind of ballet culture, right? Um, so speak to your thirteen-year-old mind, right? You as a thirteen-year-old, what did that ballet culture mean? What was that?
1: Can Can you be more
0: specific? Yeah. Like, wh- I think because we're we're kind of talking about body ideal here, right? Um, and the idea that we, I mean, ballet is a thing where we're, we're trying to be perfect every single day, knowing almost that we can't, Yeah. right. So we're continuously listening to corrective feedback all the time. So I guess like, what is that? What did that culture mean to you? Was it specifically like you have to be super skinny? You have to be a very specific body type. You have to act a certain way, eat a certain way. Um, I guess kind of stereotypically, what was that
1: it was all of that. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. it was all the pressure you could put on yourself and more to be perfect. It, it it was exactly what you just said. Honestly, I felt all of that pressure from every aspect of my life in ballet mm-hmm. starting at that age. More seriously, I, you kind of always know it's there, but I felt it when I got, because I always heard people that were older than me being like, this teacher just told me I was fat. And it was like, oh my gosh, when is that day going to happen for me? Mm. And I felt like it started to kind of come because I remember um, very distinctively one time my teacher telling me like pointing to a point in my body and telling me this needs to shrink as if you can spot reduce fat, which now looking back, I'm just like, that's ridiculous to even tell a 13 year old girl that they need to spot reduce something that they can't help
0: yeah oh my gosh like okay let me be right back yeah I'm go fix <laughs> yeah exactly that. okay so you, you you there were so many things that you said there right. that that <laughs> really struck me that were i first of all i appreciate you sharing that because yeah. that's not easy to say
1: i want to share i want to raise more awareness yeah. on what really does happen a lot in the ballet industry that i think a lot of people are afraid to talk about
0: yeah that's a big one yeah a big one you said you felt the pressure mm-hmm. and I, well there are a few different things so one with the pressure you were talking about um, you, you said you felt it. And so I'm curious for that aspect of it, this is getting into a little bit more of you. So like, how did you feel it? Right. Where was like your frame of mind? Was it physically like you, you know, felt hot and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like somatically, um, I guess I'll start there. How did you feel the pressure or what did you do about it? I guess
1: I cried. (laughs) I feel like any other girl would go home and just, I remember it being very devastating because I did have a lot of potential in ballet, and that was one of the things that I had going for me. I had a very good ballet body, and I'm okay to admit that now because I'm proud of that. And so when someone, when I heard that my whole life, I guess maybe they were boosting my ego a little bit too much, but I knew I had the legs and the feet, and so when someone told me that there was something I needed to, like, change, it was hard for me at a young age to kind of come to terms with that. And looking back, I wish it was something I wouldn't have had to have changed because looking back, I was in perfect shape to mm. be a ballerina. And mm. I know that. So yeah, I guess that's my answer. I just, it was hard to kind of come to terms with that.
0: Well, it's like you said, the, the ballet body, you had the quote unquote ballet body. Right. Like it's already a stereotype yeah. that if you deviate from it in the slightest, right. you're shamed or someone's right. pointing at you saying, hey, this needs to change. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
1: And I would say that's probably I can get into this a little bit more when we talk about my experience in Germany, but yeah. that was when you start to go through puberty too, so your body is changing yeah. and I feel like the ballet world isn't okay with that, which is so wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's frustrating.
0: There have been I I'm not I'm not completely familiar with it, but there are a lot of studies. I don't know if you've heard of like the female athlete triad or um it, it's just kind of like there are different things in in females in sport mm-hmm. like that kind of point to, you know, like you said, puberty happens naturally. Like it's not, you can't turn it off. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like If you grow older, it happens. But but yet they want you to stay in this kind of, like there's this cultural kind of image of what a ballerina should look like. And so when you start to naturally grow, that's a problem. I
1: feel like they really want you to stay adolescent and look adolescent for your whole life. And that's not possible for most girls. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why so many women walk away from it around that age when they're in high school and teenage years and Right after right when they start going through puberty
0: It was 13 when someone came to you and said was that the first time that you would have that That experience
1: the first time that That happened. Yeah,
0: okay And was it similar to when I asked you the question about how did you deal with the pressure? How did you what was going through your mind in that moment?
1: I guess I was just scared I at the time, I thought I loved ballet. Looking back, I don't think I loved it as much as I thought I did, but I wanted to be good. I wanted to be successful in it, so I started doing what every ballet dancer who wants to be successful started doing, which is developing bad eating habits because you're tr- you're so desperate to do anything that you can to stay in it and not be like ashamed
0: either. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you took it as the key of like, okay, if I want to unlock the door of what people are telling me is my potential, if I already have this ballet body and I have some natural ability, okay, the key is I need to continue to look a certain way in order to produce the same results or whatever that is that they see as, as like the stereotypically perfect ballet body. This is what I have to do. Exactly.
1: Okay. You just voiced everything I was trying to say.
0: Mm, Absolutely. No, you said it so perfectly. (laughs) what did you do what were some of those things like can you remember can you you don't have to get too in detail but i'm really curious if you're comfortable sharing
1: i just brushed it away and kept going i feel like this was something else i wanted to talk about but i think so many because we i grew up with it at such a young age and a lot of ballet dancers do you think that's normal to be called fat to sure. be told that you're not good enough that you need to work harder So I just did what any other ballet dancer would do and suck it up do what i'm supposed to do and keep going
0: so for you that was Take the finger pointing at my name the body part. Everyone yeah. probably has a different thing Yeah, that,
1: I just don't want to like yeah. trigger someone else by yeah. saying it or open up an insecurity for someone else so I don't want to talk about. Yeah, what exactly it was.
0: That's okay. No, that's a good idea <laughs> but it, it's like but it's, but it's, it's kind of a crossroads, I guess, is what I'm getting to. And you took it as, okay, it's time to do whatever they tell me exactly. to do. Exactly. So how did that then manifest into... Well, I guess, let me ask you this first. What made you want to go to Germany?
1: Well, I was starting to get older. I was about to enter high school. And I knew a lot of dancers around that age go somewhere a little bit with more professional training that can kind of get you... A better head start into getting into a good company. And so uh, there were some places I wanted to go through in the US, but my mom kind of did push me to go to Germany because my brother was already there at the time. And she did want to come with me, but she didn't want her kids scattered all over the world. So she said, Why don't we go try out this school in Germany? My mom knew the director. I got an audition and it just kind of happened from there. I would say that she kind of helped me a lot in that sense. And I just followed because mm. tim had a good experience so i was like okay i might as well try it out it's a good school and it is a good school i'm but there are a lot of issues with it too which we'll get into <laughs> absolutely
0: before we get to that though what i guess my my question is at 14 right mm-hmm. what made you want to leave like what what was it that made you because at 14 i'm it was at eighth grade, eighth grade. going to freshman Go, year of yeah. high school you know You could have gone and lived a "quote unquote" normal life, if you will. Like, what made you want to go do something different?
1: I think take this route. At that time, all I knew was ballet. I didn't care about. I left normal school. I didn't have any friends left from like my school here in Fishers, so I just wanted to do what every other dancer does. I wanted to be successful. I really did, and I I loved being on stage, and that was the feeling I was always searching for: is being on stage and improving my practice to look and do better.
0: Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like in a way you're talking about like someone maybe saying, in order to continue to be successful, you need to lose this weight or whatever. Uh-huh. So it's kinda of like the path, if you will. Exactly. In order to be successful you need to go away to where this can continue exactly. or maybe more so to be your life. Yeah. Take me through that transition specifically. I know you had your brother there. Yeah. So it maybe would be different than someone, let's say, who was moving by themselves. Yeah. but what was that transition like? I mean, that's that's not just like, oh, I'm moving to Florida yeah. from Indiana. No, I'm moving to Germany. What was that like?
1: I remember being ecstatic. When yeah. my mom told me that she got a place for us to stay, I was so excited. I just romanticized that European new life in my mind, and I really had no attachments here except for my friends in the ballet school, but we just all knew that this is kind of what you have to do, which isn't necessarily true, but yeah, I was very excited. I was excited to be with my brother. I had heard my mom and him talk about it for many years, how much they loved Stuttgart. So yeah, I was, I just romanticized it. I remember always just being like, oh, I can't wait to go to German school and like meet foreign people. And that part was really cool, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I hoped I would, both ballet and honestly just living there because I had such a bad experience with ballet also.
0: hmm and I can tell we're kind of itching to that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'll, I kind of want to give you the floor. Okay. Um, before I ask you anything else, just, just tell me, you know, I know a little bit about your experience, but for someone who, you know, obviously hasn't heard right. what, what tell me about Germany.
1: Okay. So I'm kind of just going to give you the layout of like the time frame, So When I first got there, like we said, so I was dancing there from when I was 14 to 15. So I just turned 14 when I went there and like I said, very excited and I was so excited when we first got there. I love the apartment and I remember I walked into the ballet school on the first day and I had already kind of had these thoughts about body image before I had like, left Indiana because of what had happened, what I just touched on, so I was very aware of what everybody looked like, and in Europe, ballet is a lot more hardcore, I would say, than it even is in America, which is, in America, it's already a lot, so it's, like, times 10 there, and it's very, just very difficult over there, so I remember walking to the school, and kind of immediately, I was like, I'm so much bigger than everybody here, And that was like the first thought I had on the first day. And I remember being relieved that I didn't have to dance that day because it was just kind of orientation. And I also remember being told that we were going to be weighed. Yeah. while we were um, like starting out and immediately I just remember feeling super anxious. I was looking at everybody around me and I was like, I don't look like these girls. Like this is different. And so anyways, a couple days passed and we had had a couple of classes. And I remember on the third day of class, I had this. I So in the structure there was you had one teacher for the whole year for technique classes. You did have other classes like contemporary, but it was mostly it was very, very structured to just be like ballet technique. So I remember on the third day with that teacher, I spoke. I don't speak Russian, but I understand I can speak a little bit. So she took that as an advantage and started telling me, she came up to me in class and she said in Russian, you know, you need to lose weight, right? And I was traumatized because I was at this new school. I was so excited to be there. I wanted to do well and that just crushed me in that class and no one else knew what was happening. So it was, I kind of just had to hold back the tears and keep going with class we were at bar at that point so I still had the rest of the class and I remember this memory so vividly but when we moved to the center after bar we I was looking in the mirror and like everything in my body just like distorted and I just started where she pointed out like just looked bigger and that's when I really remember my first memory of like having really bad body dysmorphia and I was looking at everybody else then looking at myself and I was like oh my gosh, why am I even here? And that was day three. So that night, I remember going home to my mom and I was I cried, of course, and I'd put, I was so vulnerable to leave my hometown, come to a new spot, and just to hear that right away was very crushing. And I remember talking to my mom and she said, you know what, just try to make it, don't give up yet, just make it a couple more weeks or even just until Christmas break and if you still can't do it, it's fine. And so I went back the next day and by some miracle, I got moved up a level and I got a new teacher. And I thought that looking back, that teacher wasn't perfect either, but she had a little bit more, um, she believed in me a little bit more, which I felt. And I still think that she did and she wasn't as harsh to me. So I ended up having a really good year with her. However, I was never put on stage, and any dancer knows that's that's the feeling that you're looking for. You want to be on stage, and honestly, when I watch ballet still, I cry because I miss that feeling so much, and I know how freeing it is and the adrenaline rushing through you, and that's the one thing I do miss, but it was really hard to stay motivated in an environment that was so toxic to want to keep going, and although I had a new teacher, my issues with eating got worse and same with body image. I remember this same teacher told me to, um, I don't know. Do you, am I, is it okay if I get specific with what they told me? It's up to you. I'm yeah, okay absolutely. with that. I just 100%. don't want anybody else mm-hmm. to feel uh, Yeah. I'll throw on a trigger warning before okay. we start. All right. Please. So I remember they told me like, so I would usually have class from, I would usually get off around eight and they would tell me not to eat after six. And so I would go home and I would maybe eat, they would say like eat an apple or yogurt and go to bed but when you're dancing all day long, all evening long, you're hungry. So they told me that I wanted to do good. I wanted to do better. I remember I was four pounds over the weight limit and I was killing myself and I became like very depressed. And this is, I don't know, something for like women to raise awareness on, but I like did not have a period the entire time I was there because my body was so depleted of any nutrients. And I remember I would count in my head like what I ate that day. If I could count it on my hand or two hands it was too much. Like I it could be like two or three things. It was looking back, I just want to like hug my younger self and say like you don't need to do this. It's not worth it. And so I started to really feel these feelings and I was really lucky because I wasn't living in the dorm. I was living with my mom outside of the school. And I honestly think that's why I realized that it was wrong so quickly and I remember I started telling my mom like this isn't right and she did support me a lot but I don't think that she knew how bad it was and I remember I would always want to come home and I was so angsty because I was hungry all the time and so she'd be like do you want to go do anything I'd be like no I just want to sleep I remember getting into a really depressed mindset because of that and so a year had passed almost it was almost end of the year and we had exams coming up and I passed the exams, but I still wasn't being treated well. Even in class, I would still be reminded. And sometimes my mom would come and they would tell her, like, you need to make sure she's eating better, she's eating less, don't let her eat dinner. And my mom would never let that happen. She would always be like, Dosh, you need to eat, you know? And I appreciate that so much, but I'd be like, You don't get it. No, I can't. And I feel bad for how harsh I was to her. But I remember after exams, I went to the director of the school and I was like, Please. Tell me how i can get on stage i want to be on stage and he just again told me a lot of bad things about my body and i know you asked or you wrote down in one of the questions how having an older brother affected me and it was good up until being in the school with him which this isn't his fault i adore my brother so much he's one of my biggest inspirations and he was while we were dancing but they compared me to my brother constantly And they would say, Oh, your brother does this. He works like this. And it was frustrating because I was like, Okay, that's great. But I'm not my brother. I'm a completely different person. But I did start to understand that I didn't have what he had. So that kind of affected me a little bit. And the school year had eventually ended. And I found out I was going to be having that original teacher that I had within the first week. And I was terrified immediately. I remember, I think that's I always had anxiety from a young age, but I think it really, really started during that. And I remember they weighed us again right before we left and it started to just kind of spiral on top of each other and it was like happening quicker and I was like, this isn't okay. And so I came home for break and my mom was like, give it one more shot. If you can't do it, don't worry about it. So I came back and I took three weeks with that teacher and I couldn't do it anymore. She had come back stronger than ever bashing me and I just honestly I had a feeling that I might have eventually gotten kicked out of the school just because that's what they did if you weren't skinny enough you weren't good enough you were gone and so I kind of just made that decision like you know what, I want to leave on my terms I don't want them to force me out of here what's happening is not okay and I know that it's not okay and I'm not going to continue to let other people treat me this way because it had already broken so much of me and I just wanted to use that little bit of strength to get out of there. So that's basically, <laughs> I know that was just a lot that I unpacked, but yeah, that was, I would say the most concise story. I hope I didn't leave anything out because I really wanted to share that as well as I could.
0: <laughs> no, that's, I don't know. It's, it's powerful when someone says that mm-hmm. the ballet world needs to change. Yeah. It's even more powerful to hear someone's experience. Yeah. So. I applaud you for thank you being willing to share that because i I feel like i can I can feel that that's weighing on you it yeah. still does
1: it's still I recently visited Germany two times, so I went this summer and I went last summer and last summer was my first time back really since i've healed from it as much as you really can heal from that and I remember my mom was we were walking on the street and we almost passed the school and that teacher was on the street and I just froze. Like I thought I I had been healed and I saw them from a distance and honestly my first thought was I'm in a tank top. Like she's gonna call me fat. And I just couldn't even do it. I was like, please. And my mom was like, it's fine, it's fine. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I don't even want to like see her. So that's something that I realized still affects me. Like I still have so much anger, not just towards how they treated me, but looking back how they treated everybody and it's just so toxic and I think so many dancers don't realize that it's happening and that's what's so scary is I didn't fully understand what happened to me until I left and so I think a lot of these dancers don't even know what's happening at all and I recently talked to someone who's also in the school she reached out to me which was an amazing experience to talk to her about it. And it even opened my eyes to some things that I'm telling you right now. Like the fact that I think a lot of dancers don't know what's happening and it's, it is very, very sad and it does need to change.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're like bringing tears to my eyes on multiple <laughs> occasions. I'm like, nah, dude, you're, you're like <laughs> hosting to the podcast. You can't cry right now. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you I'm so much.
1: Very glad. I'm so grateful that you gave me the opportunity to share it because I've come a long way and I am proud yeah. of myself and I would love to help anyone else who's in the same position. And the person who did reach out to me was, and it was so nice to be able to help and talk yeah. and yeah.
0: Okay. A couple of things. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. I'm dead serious. That Thank was you. amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. What I think being, you know, because like you said, this is something that happens and people probably don't realize it as it's happening or they maybe are in the same frame of mind as your 13 year old mm-hmm. self where it's like, this is the key to where I want to go. Right. So I'm going to open the door and whatever's behind that door, we're going to roll with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quoting, you know, because apparently this is the way to become successful. Yeah. And you had two positive supports in your life mm-hmm. that the majority of people who probably go away to a place like this, I'm assuming, I actually don't know. But probably don't have any. Yeah,
1: I mean they were in dorms without family. Yeah. I mean it was an international school, so they were from all over the world. Yeah.
0: And I know your mom. Your mom, (laughs) like when we come over for dinner, is like, here's your first helping. And here's Here's your your second. (laughs) second helping. All like I think of Mark's mom too. Yeah. Russian Russian mothers you know what I mean like that's what they want they want to feed you and and so you had those supports that yeah that and so I'm, I'm thinking of someone maybe who doesn't have that like maybe your friend yeah so that experience in itself is so incredibly powerful because it should never have happened in the first place right what would you say or what did you say to your friend if someone came to you and was maybe explaining their experience to you now with where you're at right? What would you say to that person or what did you say to your friend?
1: It's not worth it. It's really not. I mean, I think a lot of people probably have in that school had a lot better experiences and I still have friends who are in it and I know that they had a better experience and I'm happy for them. I'm happy that they're successful, but if it tears you down that much, it's really not worth it. And I had to come a long way to heal myself from that. And so, especially if it's not something that you truly, truly love. And I know a lot of people are afraid to walk away from it. I that was, I was terrified. I mean, anyone who went to high school with me knows ballet was my whole life. Like I was always there. It has to be. It is. Yeah, it has has to be. There's no other way if you want to do it professionally. So I lost my train of thought a little bit. But yeah, I just, I kind of did ballet because... I think it got to the point where I was doing it because it was all I knew. Mm. And so if someone is in those same shoes, just I promise you will be so much happier if you just admit it to yourself. And I think admitting it to yourself is the strongest thing that you can do when walking away, just saying, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to do this to my body anymore. Mm.
0: Wow. That was one of the reasons why I was afraid to walk away from mm-hmm. ballet. Very well, not in, in terms of the, the, any of the body stuff or the eating yeah but in terms of I was like I don't know what else to do you put so much of your life yeah
1: and you went farther than me too you already like were Mm. out of school and stuff but still it's scary
0: well it's like you said you 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 this is what you trained for and I mean you you didn't go to regular school because you wanted to give this your life you know what I mean so to be able to step away from it is incredible so I love the I love the you know it's not worth it yeah that's that right there yeah but let's say someone who is in class wanting to cry because they just got shamed for something let's say they don't have maybe you know mom and brother are there Mm -hmm. and they're unsure of what to go back to you know because some people let's let's kind of use an example is like if you if you go to a company as a trainee maybe an apprentice let's say you skipped um it's really, it's really interesting. Um, Goldie Wahlberg, uh, was a guest on my show and she was Mm -hmm. in the Kansas city ballet and very sweet girl. She had admitted on my podcast that she hadn't even finished high school at the time of like one of her, I can't remember if it's at the time. And I hope I'm not getting this wrong at the time that she quit, but similar to like, if that's all you know, it might feel like you have less to fall back on. Mm -hmm. So what would you say to that person who maybe is a trainee, right? They kind of for, for, Forgoed, forgave, (laughs) high school and college and you know all these traditional ways that we're supposed to go yeah right to pursue ballet but then they're like no it's not worth it yeah what would you say to that person or what do you think they could do
1: that's a good question and i was very lucky to have such a big support system
0: um well lean on leaning on supports is probably one yeah right yours just happened to be there yeah So leaning on support, Yeah, just
1: try to find people around you, I guess that can try and help you get out of it. And honestly, like you will figure it out no matter what you will figure it out. If you care enough to get yourself out of that environment, you'll figure it out. I would say that's, I don't know if that's a good answer that I can give, but yeah, that's what I would say.
0: Well, I think you're kind of just pointing to like, it's it's almost like you don't know what you don't know exactly like of course you're going to be afraid to walk away if yeah. this is all you know i think of it sometimes in terms of like when i walked away from ballet i was scared too mm-hmm. but i was like well if i can put the amount of energy into what i do in a ballet day yeah. into some other career exactly then we can get to the same level yeah do you know what i mean because Exa-
1: yeah i know exactly what you mean <laughs>
0: absolutely we know how to put time into yeah. like you know in ballet for instance you stretch, you go to the gym, yeah. maybe, or, you know, you know how to eat a specific way. Yeah. You know what's good for you. So then if you put that time and energy into anything else, yeah, oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, I mean, ballet dancers no dedication like nobody else. There you go. Else. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So there are these transferable skills mm-hmm. almost that we learn from yeah. ballet or any athlete could take into like, you know, I know you're interested in fashion, yeah. now taking that into fashion. Yeah. So before I get to that point, was mental health ever spoken about in germany at early age was it ever something that someone asked you about
1: so this is kind of what i wanted to talk i kind of already touched on it earlier but it never was and that's why i say i don't think a lot of people realize that it's happening even teachers because this was part of the conversation i had with my the other person i knew from the german school Um, We were talking about how I think it's just a pattern of toxic teaching because these dancers were treated poorly and they don't heal themselves. So then they treat their students poorly and it's just this ongoing cycle that never stops. And honestly, I think if every dancer went to therapy, the ballet world would be such a better place because I genuinely don't think that they know that there's something wrong. Or if they do, they don't think it's as big of a deal as it really is. So mental health was never a point in ballet at any point in my career.
0: Ugh, (laughs) that's the problem. Exactly. And you're not the first person to say that. So I think that's really important for people to take note of is it's kind of like a a chain reaction, if you Mm want to say. Like, you know, I've talked with previous guests about how the the regime that is kind of on their way out of the ballet world now. Mm You know that's what they know so exactly. that's what they took into it so that was kind of some of the teachers we had yeah and then of course maybe the generation after that is is open to the idea that maybe that's not the only mm-hmm. way but still that's their way yeah. right so it, it it's taking time so i guess how then do we how then do we continue to shift the perspective that teachers take do you think how do we start to incorporate it or start to normalize something like therapy or, you know, how do we, what do you think dancers can do? I I guess therapy is an option, but Mm -hmm. what, what, what can dancers do to, to, to realize that this isn't normal? Yeah.
1: I just think it's such a complex issue and I honestly don't even know where you would start to unpack it. Oh, I just lost my train of thought again. I just have so much I want to say. No, that's okay. Whatever's on your Um, mind. Hang on. I want to say this correctly I guess mm-hmm. but I mean it's kind of I remember this is kind of a side tangent but mm-hmm. talking about sustainability and mm-hmm. fashion it's mm-hmm. like you have to change the pilot while the plane is flying and I think it's the same thing with ballet. Ooh. I love that Ooh. yeah and I think like there's no way to really stop it because you have to train dancers to be resilient and to be dedicated and I think that is such a big part of the job but how do you do that in a way that doesn't abuse the dancers and that's the biggest thing i don't know the answer honestly but it needs to happen
0: mm. wow change say that again you have to change, change the pilot change the pilot while flying the, the plane while flying the plane okay like we still and so that's that's a really interesting point like i think that that generation is almost that's their that's what they're saying is mm-hmm. like this is what got other successful dancers to this point. You have to be tough, yeah. like mentally tough yeah, to be a ballet dancer, to do, you know, I don't know, 60 shows. In and a to thing dance
1: or, like how many hours in a day? Yes. And to have blisters all over your yes. feet. Yeah, I mean, I have so much respect for dancers still. I even have respect for myself for doing it for that long. Absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's a tough question.
0: It is. So how... How can dancers, I guess, okay, if you were speaking, I I like using this, if you were speaking to your 13 year old self, how could, how could little Dasha, (laughs) um, build maybe more of that resilience in a healthy way?
1: Honestly, I would say therapy. Okay. I think if I went, I'm such a big advocate for therapy, (laughs) which I don't want to be hypocritical because I I have been in the past and that's something I want to go back to, especially as I get older, I realize how important it is, whether you think there's something wrong or not. I think a lot of people have childhood trauma that needs to be unpacked. And I think that this world would honestly be a better place. So, yeah, I wish that there was someone telling me to go to therapy and to talk to someone and to learn like, hey, this isn't OK, but I love it. And what can I do to reframe that mindset mm-hmm. so that it's healthy for me?
0: Mm-hmm. I love that talk right there. So to that, right, I'm assuming you've heard of self-talk. If mm-hmm. you've, I mean, it's kind of a oh, hot yeah. word right now yeah. anyway. Um, but I would assume your self-talk when you were being told you were fat or you were being told in Russian, which is, is even more evil that someone yeah. would do that to you, <laughs> yeah. knowing that the majority of people probably don't know what exactly. I'm saying. Which makes it even worse in my yeah.
1: opinion. Yeah, no, it was.
0: <laughs> but nonetheless, what was your self-talk? to yourself? What were were some of the things that you were saying to yourself, thinking to yourself then compared to now being older and realizing, oh, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. How was it different?
1: I would just take what they would tell me and tell it to myself again. You know, I didn't have the strength to tell myself, no, you are beautiful. You are enough. You can do this. You know, all of those uplifting words I would just shame myself back I would be like this needs to change this doesn't look lo- look good you don't look good don't eat this don't eat that you're not gonna eat dinner tonight like these would all go through my head inside the studio and outside I remember looking back in Germany and that's kind of why I said I didn't fully enjoy Germany because I was in such a bad mindset of
0: couldn't even enjoy I it. couldn't
1: enjoy it because mm. my brain was constantly thinking about these things that the teachers would tell me and I didn't at the time, I was starting to figure out that they were wrong, but I didn't know how to fight against it, and I would say I finally, of course, I have days where those comments still come into my mind, not because I want to be better at ballet, but because I remember them about my body, and on an off day, I still feel that, but now, I mean, if I look in the mirror, and I don't like something, sometimes I'll just look away, and I just won't let it happen. I'm like, no, you're not going to do this. It's not healthy. Don't let it enter your mind. And if it does, I honestly sit there and make myself give myself a compliment. Like, I will say it out loud. I'll just say an affirmation, like, just to help myself reframe that in my head, reframe those negative thoughts. And I think that's very important. And I wish that I had that when I was younger. And I think it would have helped me a lot because when you, and I, that's why I brought in body dysmorphia, because when I, would look in the mirror and I would say negative things I would see it but now when I say positive things I see the positive and it's changed so much and I'm honestly at at such a good place now and I never thought I would be here and I wish I could tell my 15 year old self that it would eventually get better
0: Mm. so you've said affirmations Mm -hmm. self-talk um speaking to that kind of like healing journey Mm -hmm. if you will are there any other things that have helped you get to this point or any other things now that you do?
1: You know, I've had that question asked to me and I really don't know the answer. I honestly, the biggest thing is time. I think that's what anyone, I know that's kind of the most cliche answer, but it really is just growing up a little bit and looking back and realizing that I was not worthless because they told me that you know, so I really had to teach myself that my worth didn't come from ballet, and it came from within, and who I was as a human being, and I really, another thing that I, I don't know if we're going to get into this more, but I really care a lot about health now, but I reframed it in my head to not care about how I look, but care about how I feel, and so I do love to move my body, that won't ever go away, because I was so active growing up, but I only do things that make me feel good, and in turn, I think that confidence comes out because I always feel good now. I don't care about what I look like, of course. If I look good or I don't, that's just like if I look good, it's just a side effect of look feeling good. Feel good. good. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: We've hit a lot of really tough subjects, <laughs> yeah. so take me there now. What are what are some of the things to tell people a little bit about what you do now?
1: Okay, so. Currently, I am an influencer slash content creator, and I do a lot of things with fashion and also lifestyle and health. I use YouTube as my biggest platform to really talk about living a healthy lifestyle. I love to cook, so I try to give a lot of recipe and in- inspo. And I would say I eat pretty healthy. I mean, I don't. I learn to not put pressure on myself. I still have days where if I eat something that maybe wasn't the best for me. I still feel guilty. And I don't think that's something that's ever going to go away, but I've learned to kind of live with it and push it away and be like, that made me, that ice cream made me happy. I don't care, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to live my life eating what I want because I'm a huge foodie. That was also part of probably my problem growing up. My dad was Iranian. And if you know, in the Iranian culture, it's all food. So yeah, that's a big part of my life now. And so I really just love to teach people just how to live a balanced lifestyle, I guess. And I'm really excited to talk about this on here because I feel like a lot of people who follow me don't know my background on why I care so much about health and living balance. That's my key word mm-hmm. is that's what you have to have. And I didn't have that in mm-hmm. ballet and they didn't teach balance. And I would say the only person oh,
0: absolutely not, maybe was Sergey.
1: He was probably the only person in ballet, but I had him at such a young age. And I think maybe if I stayed with Indiana... Indiana school longer, I would have, um, I keep losing my train of thought because I have so much to say. No, that's <laughs> such a good point because
0: the even in traditional school, they're never like, oh, let's sit down and talk about how to have balance. Yeah. So you tell us, how do you live a balanced lifestyle?
1: I just do whatever the heck I want. Yeah. And I know what foods make me feel good and I know what foods make me feel happy. And so I just balance the two of those. I care a lot about eating nutritious foods and I think I don't know I just kind of started to look at it in a non-toxic way and I did go through a lot of changes after leaving ballet to get to this point I would care about how I looked a lot I would say honestly in the past six months only is where I really started to feel this change in my mental and physical health where I was just like you know what what I'm eating doesn't make me feel good and I don't want to feel this way anymore So I started putting a little bit more thought into what fueled my body health-wise, not look-wise. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a clear answer for anybody, but it worked for me. And I'm honestly at the best place mentally with health and with fitness than I've ever been. So
0: I mean, that's all that matters. Exactly. And that's, I think, probably something that is hard for people to understand is even you know, you or I could teach someone how to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Maybe that doesn't work for every person. Exactly.
1: I kind of just figured out what worked for me. Absolutely. And that's going to be different than someone else. Yeah. And I try to say that a lot on my channels as well as just be like, Hey, this works for me. This doesn't work for me, but I'm not saying that's going to be the case for anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's just honestly a lot of trial and error. And another thing I wanted to say is I found a workout routine that made me feel good. Mm. I was weight training for a while after I did ballet you know kind of that trend of like a booty came around and I was like hey let me get on this and it still was about look and I still would go to the gym and fixate on that mirror and so oh my gosh were
0: there huge mirrors (laughs) too yes
1: and so just recently I would say first semester this past year I kind of fell out of love with working out a little bit for the first time I kind of fell out of love with it a little bit after I left Germany which is fair I danced my whole life and I really just needed a break from it and I didn't want anything to do with the gym but when I started to get back into it I would weight train and then the first semester so almost a year ago I just was busy with school and I had no motivation to go anymore and finally in January I always loved yoga and so I finally was like you know what? I love that as my workout if that's what I love to do, that's going to be enough. And any movement that I do for myself any day is enough. Mm-hmm. And so I also fell in love with that group workout setting. So I do a lot of Pilates and yoga and walking. And I've heard some people say like, do you feel like you're getting in a good workout? And I'm just like, it doesn't matter. It's what I'm, works for I mean, me. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's probably, I've cause I've found that a lot of people Will ask, like, oh, you know, how many times do I need to weight train a week? Yeah. And it's like, well, if you don't even enjoy weight training,
1: why are you doing why it? Why are you doing it? It's yeah. not something
0: you're going to stick to. Yeah. So for you, it's yoga. What other kinds of things? You said, sorry, I missed a couple of things. You said, Pilates, Pilates, Pilates yoga, yoga,
1: and just walking a lot. That's perfect. And I think part of the reason I enjoy those so much is because they're very mindful. Mm-hmm. And I get to dance or I get in Pilates. There's a lot of music and I miss that with ballets, like working mm-hmm. out to like music and going on beat. And there's some, da- uh, some of the teachers that don't follow the music and it stresses me out. But oh. I had this one teacher <laughs> who was, um, an actress and she followed <gasps> oh the music so well. And I went up to have to class. And I was like, are you a dancer? And she was like, no, but I was like in musicals and stuff. And I was does. like, I knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I really love your class because you, every single class, she tailors to the music Mm -hmm. and I love it.
0: I do feel like you can tell. Yeah. You can tell people that have some sort of like background to where they're able to keep a beat better than most. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny that you noticed that. Wow. That's cool. So what are some of the other things then? Like self-care is kind of what I'm Mm -hmm. getting at. What are some of the other things that you do now? You also said mindful. Mm -hmm. Actually now my head's going everywhere. (laughs) Is mindfulness something you do? Do you meditate?
1: I try. Okay. I, it's something I really would like to be better at, but I get frustrated really yeah. easily because I cannot It's turn off my mind. so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do try to, I do love yoga because my mind's not off, but I'm in a very like Zen mm-hmm. calm state. And I love working out in the morning because if I do it in the morning, it puts, it sets up my day completely differently. And yes. that's what I learned to love about working out is the way it makes me feel mentally. Mm-hmm. I don't, if I even didn't have a good workout, if my body was tired, I still am just so happy that I went and I showed up and I sweat. And that's another thing is these classes I take are like a hundred degrees. Oh, you take hot yoga? I take oh, girl. Yoga. hot yoga. Hot Pilates. Oh, and you take hot Pilates? workouts, yeah. Oh my gosh. But I love it.
0: <laughs> and people be asking you if that's enough of a workout? I know.
1: I'm like, oh my I'm like do you want to join me?
0: Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I really just learned to fall in love with that sweat feeling yeah. and knowing like, I'm doing good for my body. I'm detoxing. So, and I, f- because I feel so good, I think in my head, I've looked the best that I have in my entire life because that's coming from yes. my inner self and not because i have toned somewhere. You know what I mean?
0: hmm What are some other self care things you do?
1: I like to be alone a lot. Honestly, cooking by myself and just watching some like Netflix is my favorite part of self-care like sometimes my boyfriend will be like do you need help cooking I'm like you can just leave me alone and I'll just put my headphones in and I love doing that I'm very I think because I had that experience in Germany I very much love my alone time because I had to grow up so young living there and so I love to work out that's another way that I do self-care I love reading yeah
0: you've named a lot of awesome things already wow that's really cool yeah um tell me about being an influencer what do you do Or tell people. Tell them what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm I guess I shared a little bit, but yeah, I love fashion. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm studying in school. I can't remember if I mentioned that, but I stud I study apparel merchandising and I have a minor in marketing and a concentration in product development. So kind of a mix of those things is what I like to do on social media. I love working with different clothing brands. I love being my own boss. I think that's one thing that comes from that independence that I've found in myself is I love working for myself and I think I work really well that way. And so I do mostly fashion and, sorry, fashion on TikTok and Instagram. So if you guys want to check out. Yes, where can we follow? Tell everyone to follow. My Instagram is at Daria Afshar underscore and my TikTok is at Daria Afshar six. And my YouTube is just Daria Afshar, if you guys want to check those out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I really hope to, I guess what I didn't even mention is my dream goal with it is mm-hmm. to do travel and fashion. I love to travel. My If you guys follow me, you know my boyfriend and I are always trying to go to the next place. So he's my travel buddy and we always just want to explore the world. And that's my goal.
0: What's your favorite place you've been to so far?
1: We just got back from the Amalfi Coast in Italy and... That was, most, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was the yeah. Yeah. That was the most same. incredible place. Oh, nice. <laughs> Me and my
0: lover. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. So, that's kind of just what I do now. I want to teach people to live a good life, I guess. That's the point. And look good in clothes. <laughs> in clothes. <laughs> Not <laughs> And
0: look good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, I guess yeah, wh- is there anything else with that kind of lifestyle with that kind of healthiness or healthiness but like anything else that you'd want to share with people that you've discovered
1: i guess if anyone is listening and they're in the same shoes like i said just time will heal all wounds honestly i never thought in a million years i would get to where i am now and rely on the people around you for support I was in a very bad mental state when I did leave and I surrounded myself with people who saw happiness in everyday things and that made a tremendous effect on my mental health and I started I I was so fixated on this thought like oh I want to be happy I want to be happy and then I learned that happiness isn't like a feeling it's something that you do every day you do things to make you happy so I go to pilates I spend time by myself I go on walks I listen to podcasts that make me feel good. It's all those little things in your life that you need to rely on, whether you're in a bad state or not.
0: That's beautiful. That is say. really beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So coming down the stretch here, cause okay. I'm mindful of our time. <laughs> um, the fab five, I haven't given you these okay. questions yet. <laughs> um, so this will be fun. I'm nervous. Uh, nothing crazy. <laughs> um, the first question of the Fab five, Fab Five Five questions that I ask every guest. Okay, Um, I switch them up a little bit for fun every now and then. But uh, my first question for you is, what is a quote that you live by? I think honestly, the thing that Ooh. you just said, like if I could put that in a quote,
1: what did, I don't even remember about what
0: happiness what, yeah. and like how you like that. But okay, aside from that, I just wanted to point that out. That was really cool that you said <laughs> that. Thank you.
1: Um, am I allowed to use that? <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> I took it. It's my quote.
1: <laughs> um quote that i live by i feel like i know this but i just don't know you really put me on the spot here this is why you didn't tell me the question everything in life happens for a reason Ooh, that's my yeah mm-hmm. i knew it was somewhere in my mm-hmm. head i just couldn't find it Keep that's it, it yeah
0: okay um that's awesome greatest piece of advice you've ever been given or or I'll, for you i want to make it greatest piece of advice you could give say your 15 year old self
1: I think what I just said that it does get better no matter if you care enough to get yourself out of a mindset you'll do it and especially with the resilience I had I I did and I'm I'm proud of myself for that
0: yeah you already made it out of something yeah more traumatizing yeah. than hopefully you'll have to exactly yeah absolutely top three books or podcasts
1: Ooh, I don't even know if I can pick three okay can I do three separate? Can I do three for books and three yes. for... Okay. So three books. So I would say my first one is Verity by Colleen Hoover. Second is Before We Were Strangers by Renee Carlino. And what's my third? I love... I just started... That's another thing. I just started picking up reading, especially with being on social media, is I can't scroll without wanting to work. So now I start reading. So that, that was a little tangent. But... Third book, I would say, is maybe "Ugly Love" by Colleen Hoover, and these are all romance books. I like to just live in someone else's little fantasy when I just want to go somewhere else. <laughs> I was say
0: another bit of self care. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, lose ourselves in a story.
1: Yeah, and then podcasts. I would say these two are tied, but my top two are "Not Your Typical" by Caitlin Nolan, and she's a huge inspiration for me. She is a fitness blogger, and she kind of also helped me realize. A lot about balance living a balanced lifestyle and working out to feel good not to look good i would say learned she was a big inspiration for those two things and she teaches a lot of that so if you guys like this podcast i would definitely check her out as well um and then there's this couple who has a podcast their the name is love that for you and they talk a lot about relationships and just little things in their life. And it's just kind of a little feel good podcast and they're very chill. I, I just like the way that they talk to each other. It's kind of interesting to hear a couple's perspective. So I love listening to them and I get honestly some relationship advice for them as from them as well. And my boyfriend even listens to them and we love their podcast. So that's one. And then I'm trying to think of the third one. Oh, this one is kind of just a fun girly one, but it's, That's So Sabotage. And they're these three influencers. Have you heard of them? No, I haven't, but Um, that's a fun name. (laughs) Yeah. They're these three influencers and they're very successful. And so they kind of, I love listening to them because they live like honestly such glamorous lifestyles from being influencers because they're so successful and it's kind of fun to just be like, "Mm, maybe I can have this one day, you know? Mm -hmm. So those are my top three.
0: That's really cool. Well, I think it's also just, now I'm going to go off on a tangent. Interesting. (laughs) Like Ideas in equals ideas out, right? Like yeah. you're constantly listening to these yeah. people maybe that you want to model yeah. if, it's, if it's something you're interested yeah. in or so people take note of that. That's, yeah. that's what a better way to learn, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Um, awesome. My fourth question of the Fab Five is if you could host five dinner guests, dead or alive, who would they be?
1: Okay. Harry Styles. <laughs>
0: um. <laughs> His favorite song of yours, go
1: sign of the times
0: Ooh, okay mm-hmm.
1: i just i remember that f- that was his first song that he came out with on his own and i remember that memory so vividly but mm-hmm. i love all of his music especially his new album mm-hmm. but i could talk about him for too long um let's see sorry donovan i <laughs> know he probably knew that answer was coming um honestly kim kardashian i would love to sit down and have dinner with her she i honestly think that i Don and i watch the kardashians honestly i keep we he's like my best friend we do everything together but we watch that show and i just love watching them and i honestly think that she's a good businesswoman so i'd oh, want to sit incredibly down incredibly good are you kidding In, absolutely yeah she's got some pr moves i know she would help me out oh, so yeah. kim kardashian let's see how many did you say five you have two five. okay i can't think of anybody on this but, um I think I have my three more. Nina Dobrev, Ian Summerholder, Paul Wesley. Okay. Vampire Diaries cast. I've watched that show like, I don't even know how many times.
0: That would be one heck of a table. That
1: would be one heck. I don't know if they would all get along.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe that would make it more interesting.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm down to the last question of okay. the podcast. And before I do that, Daria, I want to thank you so much for being so, you had said, you know, maybe your 13 year old self wouldn't have been strong enough to walk away or Mm -hmm. to know that it wasn't enough. You are Mm -hmm. strong enough. You are strong. Thank you. And for you to be able to share this is genuinely so incredible, um, to one recognize it, but then two, to be able to vocalize it is amazing. So props to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity too. I'm so, so grateful that I got to talk about this and I feel good. I feel like I got everything out that I wanted to say. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, my last question for you is who do you want to hear next on The Mental Game? And it's someone, it has to be someone that you can help me get on the show.
1: What if I said Tim?
0: That's a great answer.
1: <laughs> Tim, you're up next. Tim has
0: a beautiful mind, yeah. He does
1: have a beautiful mind. And it would yeah. be kind of interesting maybe to hear two different perspectives oh, good point. versus a man and a woman in ballet going to the same school but different
0: experiences. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point, actually. That one will probably
1: be a little bit more uplifting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: more what? Uplifting. No, no, but I mean, it's your experience. Yeah. And, and so it's it's beautiful in its own yeah. way. It doesn't need to be uplifting. Yeah. It's what happened to you. Exactly. And no, I would I agree. I'm I, just messing. Right. No, but I would argue that it's almost like, you know how, like I was, I was sharing with you, Dari was asking me beforehand about like, Kind of the podcasting world, mm-hmm. and I was sharing with you like you you almost don't know, and you just kind of have to start, yeah, well, it's kind of like that it's like you almost learn more when it's like let's just try, yeah, you know, because yeah. who knows what's going to happen, but you'll figure it out along the way, even if it's slowly, mm-hmm. so yeah, we have Maybe our own we'll journey, yeah, we'll you see. should <laughs> anything else that you want to say, anything else that you want to share, anything you want to leave our listeners with
1: um just if you made it this far, I really, really appreciate you for staying here. This is something that I have not ever gotten the chance to share this publicly. And I'm so, so thankful, Glenn, for being able to share it. So, And I appreciate anyone who's listening. Yeah, thank you.
0: For being here. Thank you so very much if you made it this far. If you enjoyed the episode, go like and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and reach out to me on social media. Reach out to Daria and I. Tag us both and let us know what did you learn from this episode? What did you take away from it? We would love to hear from you. And again, thank you so very much for listening.